From the Old City, a practical Torah commentary by Gutman Lodge. Leviticus 16, Achrei. Send that animal to the wilderness. In this week's portion of the Torah, the details of the Yom Kippur service are explained. This is the day set aside for national atonement and, fittingly, is considered the most holy and serious day of the year. Besides the intricate and detailed instructions regarding the priestly garments and service that we are accustomed to seeing in the Torah, this portion also describes what must be the most unusual sacrifice in the entire Torah. The high priest is commanded to take two similar he-goats, one of which is to become a sin offering for the entire nation and is to be offered up on the altar and the other one, which is to be the bearer of all the people's sins, is to be taken out into the wilderness and pushed over a cliff. What are we to learn from this unusual service? After concluding the instructions for the Yom Kippur service, the Torah details a number of transgressions and sternly warns us not to do them. Why, almost immediately after concluding the Yom Kippur instructions, does the Torah warn us not to consume blood? Who would want to do such a thing? Then the Torah instructs that when we slaughter an animal, we are to pour out its blood on the ground and cover it with earth. Why must we do this? Next comes a long list of forbidden sexual relationships, some of which are quite shocking. We are warned not to have sexual relations with close relatives, such as our father, mother, stepmother, sister, grandchildren, and the list goes on and on. Who would ever think to do such things? And why are they listed on the holiest day of the year? In fact, to this day we read about these transgressions on Yom Kippur. Surely on this day, when we are dedicated to the highest values man can attain, we do not need to be warned about such gross acts. If we are to be warned, let us hear of sins that might be appropriate to this high status, such as, do not be jealous of your fellow, or be careful not to judge before getting all the facts. But instead we are warned about these vulgar acts on such a holy day. Why? We are to see from the prohibitions listed what we are to learn from the sacrifices themselves. The he-goat that goes on the altar is called a sacrifice to God, and the other he-goat is called the he-goat that is sent to the wilderness. With our sacrifices, we are acting out our promise. The animal that goes on the altar stands for our animal inclination that we are subjugating to God. This means that we are going to direct all of our permitted animal deeds to the service of God. There is a way to elevate our low desires and to use those very animal desires in the service of God. Take eating, for example. Rather than eating as an animal eats by simply tearing its prey and drinking its blood, we are going to offer our food on the altar. This means that the food is to be permissible and that we bless and thank the one who gives it to us. Then we dedicate the energy that comes from eating that food to doing holy acts. This intention elevates common eating, which is simply satisfying an animal need, and turns it into a holy act. The same thing goes for sexual relations. 
The Torah lists those gross sexual transgressions here to show us that we are not mere animals. Animals mate with any available animal without regard for relationships. Such behavior is solely animal instinct. But we are to elevate this act. We are to marry in purity and holiness and engage in sexual behavior in a pure and holy way. We are to conform to the Torah's list of permissible mates and are forbidden to act like mere animals. Those other animal inclinations within us that could lead us to tear an animal's limb and to eat it with its blood or have sexual relationships with close relatives are to be taken out into the wilderness and pushed over a cliff. The One and Many It was during the Yom Kippur service that the high priest was to go into the Holy of Holies, and Hashem said, In a cloud I will appear upon the ark cover. Aaron, the high priest, would bring the required sacrifices, and he would atone for the people's sins. This is why Yom Kippur is called the Day of Atonement. In Hebrew and in English, the name of the day refers to similar concepts, such as appease, redeem, amend, and such. The Hebrew has an additional meaning that the English does not have, and the English has a meaning that is not readily seen in the Hebrew. The Hebrew word kippur comes from the root to cover, and this is what the day does. It covers over our sins. Also, Hashem would peer in a cloud above the ark cover, and His presence would cover the cover. In English, the further meaning is found in the word atone, which is spelled at one. When there is a sin that is not forgiven, there is friction, unrest. When there is forgiveness, the friction ceases, and the peaceful feeling of experiencing all as one can return. When the high priest would sprinkle the blood of the sacrifice upon the altar, he would count in a most unusual way. He had to sprinkle it seven times, and each time he would say the number of that count. The sages tell us that he counted this way so he would not forget. But the way he counted also had a deeper meaning. He counted one, one and two, one and three, one and four, one and five, one in six, one in seven. If the sole reason for counting was not to forget which sprinkle he was sprinkling, he could have simply counted one, two, three, four, five, etc. But by counting this way, we see the one of atonement. One refers to all, one and two. The two refers to the two found in the physical perspective of the one. For instance, you and I are two, one and three. This says that all is one and is also three. For instance, you, me, and it, one and four. Again, the one is always one, even though there are certainly four and five and six and seven and so on. The high priest was atoning for the many by bringing them back to the peace that comes from recognizing the one. There is one dot com.